0: Let's look together to uh, the Word of God now. I'm going to go back to uh, Psalm 139. I think we were there a couple of months ago, but the Lord led me back there again. Psalm 139. Psalm 139. <clears throat> and let's stand together for the reading of God's word. I invite you to join in a congregational responsive reading of the word of God. I will read the first verse and I invite you to read every alternate verse thereafter. Psalm 139. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou compassed my path in my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, and I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go? From thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwelling in the uttermost parts of the sea. Even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light around me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy words. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. My eyes did see my substance yet being unperfect and in thy book all my members were written which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I count them they are born in the number of earth as a sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. For they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee, and am I am not I grieved with those that rise up against thee? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way Lord God, we thank you that you are a, a real God, a true God, not false God. And you said that true gods speak, and you speak. Thank you for speaking to us through the Bible, and uh, individually to us uh, by your Holy Spirit, whispering in our hearts, Lord. And we pray now that by the power of your Holy Spirit. You would take this written word and write it upon us and work it in us and break to us the bread of life. Thank you, God. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I said that um, if you recall at all, I we got into this a little bit in October and my my reading plan had me coming back into this again and felt like this is where we needed to be today. Um, my The title for my sermon today is Me Time or The Time. You ever heard of Me Time? Me Time or The Time? I'll explain to you what Me Time is later on. Or uh, My Thoughts or Your Thoughts? <clears throat> so, As we look at this Psalm 139, I just wanted to, before I make a few comments, and as I make a few comments, um, just go over the breakdown of some of the corners that uh, the psalmist turns in his thought process in this psalm, because Psalm 139 is one of the most notable psalms in the um, Psalter, and uh, it's kind of like a famous psalm. um, Last time we spoke about it, we focused on like, our need to be known. As human beings, we, we have this need to be known, and that need is truly fulfilled in in God. Um, but if you look on your Bibles, you'll notice that verses 1 through 6 talk particularly about that. And the first six verses are are about God's... The word we use as omniscience, he knows everything, and how God knows absolutely everything to the nth degree as applied to us. Like, God knows everything about everything, and he knows so much about us, we couldn't even ever attain to, or get it in our brain, the uh, infinity of what he just knows about Me, you, as one individual, Uh, the exact constitution of our mind, body, and spirit. In fact, it says that in verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me as high I cannot attain to it. I can't even get my mind around God, what you know about me, and I'm only one grain of dust in a universe. So the first um, handful of verses 1 through 6 are about that, about his, his omniscience applied specifically to us as individuals. Then in verses seven through twelve, as you look in your Bible, and um, he turns a corner and he goes from omniscience and uh, knowing everything as applied to us to his omnipresence. That God is everywhere. And my summary of verses seven through twelve is he's like the inescapable God. He talks about whether shall I go from thy spirit or whether shall I flee from my presence, have I sent up into heaven there or there, da, 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 da wings in the morning. Like he can't God is everywhere. You can't escape him. You can't run from him because you're already at the place that you're running to. Right, Jonah? It's like, <laughs> thinks you just popped to the other end of the Mediterranean Sea. You're going to escape God somehow. Um, <laughs> but that's great. That's good news. I mean, if God was good, why would you want to get away from him in the first place? Right. And it kind of reminds us of those comforting verses um, in Romans. For I am persuaded that neither life, nor death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. To those whose hearts are bent towards responding to God and embracing him and wanting him, that's very good news, that you can't escape God. For people that are trying to run from God, that's bad news. But, um, so that second section is about his omnipresence, and in a way... His omnipresence, being everywhere, is an extension of his omnipotence, because uh, his omniscience. Because he's everywhere and in everything, he knows a lot about everywhere and everything because he's right there and you can see it and hear it and feel it and touch it. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So that's like that second section there. I'm just trying to give you, I'm just trying to break it down into the different paragraphs that are in this psalm because towards the end it seems like the train of logic is unrelated, but when you look at it like this, you can see that it is related. It is a chain reaction of thoughts leading one to another. So he goes into his omnipresence and how he's inescapable. And then if you start looking in round about, um, you know, in verse 13, he starts getting into like how God was even there, like when he was born and when he was being formed in the womb. I've, that's still on the same subject. It's still on the subject of his omnipresence. God, you're like everywhere, like even inside my mother's womb. When I was just hanging out, sucking my thumb in a 97 degree um, blacked out jacuzzi, right? You can't escape this God. You saw it all. You've got like a YouTube video of every moment of my life from every conceivable angle. And then as he's going on with this, he just can't stop himself from breaking out into praise. In verse 14, he doesn't get into a full paragraph of praise and he doesn't just totally turn the psalm over to nothing but praise, but he can't restrain himself from just blurting out a little praise. In verse 14, I'll praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. But then after just blurting out a little kind of Quick soundbite praise, he keeps going on with his, his argument in verse 15, um, talking about, again, uh, how he was formed and how God knew him when he was being formed. Um, but the whole idea of God being everywhere, even hidden in our mother's womb, just reinforces one of the themes of this psalm, which is intimacy with God. God knows everything about us. Nobody else does. Intimacy with God. Um, But as he comes in here to verses 17 and 18, he breaks into another appropriate form of response to this truth of God's intimate knowledge of us and things that God knows about me that nobody else in the world knows and the things that God knows about the other guy that nobody else in the world knows. And this appropriate response in verses 17 through 18, how precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God, how great, the sum of them, how great the sum of them, if I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. In other words, if God's thoughts are that intimate and that accurate and that inner about my, me and everybody else on planet Earth, shouldn't I value those thoughts? Shouldn't I value God's opinion he says, how precious are thy thoughts unto me, are God's thoughts precious to us. Now I'm going to come back to that in a second and expand upon it because it seems like this is an appropriate response to the nature of God which has been brought out in the psalm. And when the word of God reveals to us the nature of God, we are then obliged to respond in some appropriate way to who God is. So before I come back to that, I just want to conclude my overview of the psalm and, and, and some of the themes in this psalm. Um, wh- one of the other things that comes out in this psalm is, is the word me. If you look in back to verse 1 again, it says, O Lord, how, 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 uh, Lord thou hast searched me and has known me, Thou knowest my sitting down and mine uprising, thou understandest my thoughts afar off, thou compassest or surrounds my path and my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. I counted, um, I believe, eight or ten times in the first <coughs> three verses there that the word me or mine or my comes up. Um, that's why I called this sermon Me Time or The Time. Some of you said you hadn't heard of uh, the phenomenon of, of Me Time. That's the that's way of saying you know we've got iPhones and YouTubes and Me Time. That's when you take time out for yourself, right? Nobody ever heard that phrase before? Come on, you've got to go get, go get some... Go take some time out. Go get some Me Time. You know, just got to have some Me Time. Um, go on, you deserve it. And I guess there can be a truth um, in the fact that all of us need some kind of time to decompress and just get with ourselves, right? Um, But any time that we stretch forth our hand um, and justify our own needs and stretch forth our hand and our own strength to fulfill our needs, I believe that we walk a dangerous line. And we walk a dangerous edge and we run the danger of falling into self-ishness, right? Like for all of us in our humanity, taking some needed and appropriate me time can quite easily morph into just being consumed with ourselves, can't it? I mean, isn't that like our humanity? That something that starts out as being valid and you're like, oh, this is nice. <laughs> What's next for me? You know, it just morphs and degrades into something which becomes inappropriate and a kind of self-centered thing. And um, <clears throat> so God, I believe, if, if I have a correct understanding of the work of God, and the truth of the Word of God, I believe he is bringing us on a journey of decreased self-consciousness. Do you agree? Hopefully that self-consciousness is tapering off as we walk this journey with God. My feelings, my desires, my life, my reputation, and he is wanting to replace that with an ever-increasing revelation of God or God-consciousness rather than self-consciousness. And that is where the freedom is, where he wants to bring us to a place of freedom. Um, Not that we are not valid or our needs are not valid, but when we are the advocate, defender, protector, and provider of those, then it tends to get tainted by self because we are biased towards ourself. We provide for and defend for and advocate for ourselves from a deceived perspective. Our desires deceive us. What we think we need and we think we want deceive us. So in the midst of this journey, I've kind of tried to set the scene there for a biblical basis for a journey of coming out of self-consciousness towards God-consciousness. In the midst of all that, slap bang in the middle of the Bible is Psalm 139, which is like me, 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 me. Eight times in the first three verses, and if you want to do some homework after, this afternoon, you can tell me how many other times the word me, mine, or myself occurs in this psalm. You know, one of the neat things about having, you know how the old cliche goes, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, that's kind of like American evangelicalism. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? And that phrase has just been kind of like flogged to the point of meaninglessness. You know? But it is a personal relationship in the sense that when we find God, and I don't know how you've experienced it. This has been my experience. It's like, wow, I can talk to God And I'm the only person in the universe. He's just like, my God. And no one else is God. you ever feel that way about God? That when you talk to God, we know somehow he's listening to 7 billion people. But he might as well be listening to us and us alone. And he's just up there waiting for us and us alone to talk to him. It's amazing how God does that. He truly is a very, very personal God. It's like one author called him, our own God. So despite the clichedness of that phrase, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, he is a very personal God. It's just God, it's just God and us. Me and thee. And that's the flip side of Psalm 139 because not only is it jam-packed full of me's and mine's and my's, but it's also got a lot of thees in it as well. Did you notice that? Oh Lord, thou has searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down and my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. And that seems to me where me time is sanctified or it's actually made right and dedicated back to the Lord. Because we belong to God and are to his praise and glory, And because our God is not negligent in his maintenance, he will make sure that all his creatures, that's you, are running well and are not falling apart. He doesn't neglect maintenance to his glory. That's why we must let him be our defender, protector, provider of everything so it doesn't get tainted by us. So that, to me, is some of the me and thee theme that's in Psalm 139. But I said that, apart from giving this overview, I was taken in particular by this response given by the psalmist in verse 17. How precious are thy thoughts unto me. By the way, the last part of the psalm where it just suddenly talks about, for they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take... Uh, Thy name in vain, do I not hate them? That's in verses like uh, 19 through 24. It seems like, in light of these creatures that God has made and knows intimately, that the psalmist says that he is going to oppose all that opposes God and us as God's creation. That's where that kind of fits in. But in verses 17 through 18, um, The the response, one of the responses in the psalm was these omniscient, these all-knowing everywhere thoughts of Almighty God, the psalmist says, those thoughts are precious to me. Mm -hmm. Are God's thoughts, and this is the last kind of applied point I want to make today, apart from I just kind of give you a general flavor overview of the psalm and some of the themes, but... Are God's thoughts precious to us? Is kind of like the devotional question that's jumping out there. Is His opinion valuable to us? Do we dwell on our opinion of ourselves and other people flowing out of our limited and biased knowledge? Or are we allowing the mind of Christ to progressively dominate our thought life? Isn't that what seems to be a lot of the, Steve sang about an unclouded day? Isn't that a lot of what clouds a day of our lives? You're thinking, I was just having such a great day until this happened. Had to get on the phone with customer service had to go through the menu button ten times, press this, press that, press this. And then, just as about to get through to a real person, the line goes click. And you have to start all over again. Finally, when you get through to someone, you're so unamused by this torture, you're not a very Christian person that they find on the other end of the line. How are you? can hear you Oh, when you're on hold, really? Thanks for telling me, Al. <laughs> I've I got a lot of phone calls I better make this afternoon. what you say. I was just trying to give um, a down to earth example that's pretty real to all of us. Isn't it? What's Jesus' opinion on all of this? What's Jesus' opinion on us and other people that we're supposed to value so much like this psalmist did in light of his intimate knowledge, super detailed, of me, you, and everyone on planet Earth? So the, the, the issues of life tend to culminate around our thoughts of ourselves or other people. I have not been treated right. Why has this happened? <coughs> What I think of myself, I am almost messing up. That's my opinion. I'm really good at this or that. It might be my opinion. <clears throat> Why are they so unfaithful? Why do they keep telling me they'll do this and not follow through? And then we reach our own conclusions and form our own opinions. When if we have this revelation of Psalm 139 of the depth and the intimacy and the detailed Um, all-knowingness of God regarding me and everyone else, surely we're going to seek out those opinions and ask him. Shouldn't we check in with him to see what he thinks about certain people that are just driving us up the wall? Hey God, what do you think about such and such a person? Really, not hard to think of the answer, is it? Well, so and so is my child. They have certain faults, they have certain weaknesses, and yes, (coughs) sins. I know exactly what these are rooted in, Mm -hmm. and I'm dealing with them, and I'll keep them. Mm -hmm. What is that to thee? Follow thou me. Mm -hmm. You know, when we let God fill our thoughts and opinions. It liberates our actions. Because when we're stuck on those thoughts, we're frozen. When you have allowed negative thoughts about other people on planet Earth that God knows intimately, that's how you're going to act. Will you pick up the phone and tell them that you love them? Nope. You're doing everything you can to avoid them. But when we let God's opinion, if we just ask God what his his opinion is, it comes and fills our mind pretty quickly. It's no big deal anymore. We're free. We're free to actually do what Jesus Christ commanded us to do. To love God and to love one another. Does that make sense? So, I know I've kind of taken a woven path today. I hope it didn't uh, bore you or overload you. I wanted to kind of overview that psalm and some of the themes, but really that crunch verse there, how precious are thy thoughts unto me, the psalmist said. God, we look to you for your grace to seek out your opinions on ourselves when we want to judge ourselves. Maybe we want to be too harsh on ourselves. And just beat down on ourselves? What do you think of us, God? Maybe we want to be too easy on ourselves. Maybe maybe we're having a hard time just with this negative, just blech on us regarding someone else. God, help us just to check in with you and ask what your thoughts are about them. And that that redemption of our mind would lead us into the behavior and actions that you commission us to thank you god for everything that you know about us and everyone else in jesus name amen